This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include strong language, mature themes, male-female sex, including oral and anal sex, group sex, pegging, anal penetration of a male partner, and corruption and mind alteration. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 237. Greetings, Metamorphs! Welcome back to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I am Chris Lester, your guide to the fantastical world of Metamorph City. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorphcity.com. This is the show where I share my fresh new fiction with you. I'll also tell you what's new with my life and my writing. More on that later in the show. But for now, let's get to this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 10 in my Metamore City erotic fantasy, Homecoming. If you're new to the show, don't start here. Go back to Episode 228 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. John and Kate's vacation to Kate's hometown of Bridger Heights has hit an unexpected snag. During their first night at her parents' house, Kate accidentally absorbed a large chunk of John's essence, the divine power that makes him an incubus. In the process, Kate has temporarily gained the powers and appearance of a succubus, including horns, a tail, and a large phallus where her clit used to be. Unfortunately, she hasn't gained John's powers of shapeshifting, or if she has, she doesn't know how to use them. For now, she has disguised the changes with a hat and a baggy pair of sweatpants, but they're going to be here for a week, so that isn't a good long-term solution. After breakfast the next morning, Kate and John headed downtown in search of clothing that could accommodate Kate's new anatomy. As they walked among the packs of teenagers and college students home on break, John showed Kate what it feels like to feed on the ambient sexual energy of the people around them. Overcome by this delicious new sensation, Kate accidentally sent a pulse of essence radiating out into the crowd. This little piece of the goddess Aspira amped up the sexual appetites and lowered the inhibitions of everyone around them, and in moments Kate and John were standing in the middle of a scene straight out of a music video, with couples necking and groping everywhere they looked. John advised that they had better get inside a building quickly to give the people a chance to clear their heads, and to avoid drawing the attention of the local lightbringers, who don't take kindly to that sort of chaos. Kate looked around at the nearby stores and spotted one where she knows the owner. John and Kate headed in that direction, hoping to avoid any further trouble. Homecoming, A Tale of Metamore City, written in red by Chris Lester. 
Chapter Ten. John and Kate made it to the shop before anyone seemed to notice them. John tried the door, but it was locked. He looked at the posted hours, then checked the clock on his phone. Looks like they don't open for another half an hour, he said. Got another idea? Kate answered this by rapping loudly on the window and leaning in close to the glass. Henri, she called. John cringed and shrunk a little further into the doorway. Or we can make an enormous racket, he murmured, mostly to himself. Always a good option when you want to go unnoticed. Kate ignored him and rapped on the window again. A moment later, a man's face appeared in the glass. He was a couple of centimeters shorter than Kate, in his mid to late forties, with beige-brown skin, an aquiline nose, and dark eyes in a narrow, well-sculpted face. His salt-and-pepper hair was short and immaculately styled, and he sported a three-day beard stubble that made him look roguish and charming instead of slovenly. His frown turned to an expression of surprised delight when he saw Kate, and he quickly unlocked and opened the door. Catherine, ma chérie!» Henri exclaimed, beaming from ear to ear. «You are home! Entrez, entrez!» Kate quickly slipped inside, and John followed her. Their host took Kate's elbow and ushered her quickly away from the door, questioning her rapidly in Lantinois. Kate giggled and responded in the same language, though her halting pronunciation told John that she was out of practice. John lingered by the windows for a minute, looking for any sign of the police, the Lightbringers, or, Suspira forbid, the Redeemer protesters. No such dangers presented themselves, though, and gradually the cluster of young people broke up, as their self-consciousness overcame their arousal. Pedestrians began once more to go about their business, and John breathed a sigh of relief. He turned away from the window and did a slow circuit around the shop, examining their surroundings. Fascinet was a small women's boutique, clearly inspired by the high fashion of the adjacent province of Lantigny, but aimed at a more middle-class clientele. Female mannequins, all of them more than a hundred and eighty centimeters tall, stood prominently on pedestals all around the shop. Each one modeled a carefully composed ensemble, from hat to shoes. Racks of blouses, slacks, dresses, skirts, and other garments lined the walls behind the mannequins, matching the styles displayed on the models, but these were largely unhemmed and half-finished, only the raw materials of Henri's craft. The back third of the shop, behind the cash register, was where the real work would take place. Three circular pedestals, each about a meter wide and thirty centimeters high, sat in an equilateral triangle, with changing rooms arrayed around them. A rolling cart stood next to one of the pedestals. As John drew close, he saw that it was filled with an assortment of mirrors, measuring tapes, safety pins, scissors, pinking shears, needles, and a hundred different colors of thread. A narrow passage led to the back rooms, where John expected that he would find sewing machines, cutting boards, and the other tools Henri would need to finish his customers' clothes. John took a moment to consider the man himself. Henri wore a black, high-collared tunic, with a wide placket that ran diagonally from below his waist to his right shoulder, accented with a double line of brass buttons embossed with fleur-de-lis. 
His slacks were light gray, his shoes a gleaming black patent leather. Everything fit his slender body like a second skin, and the clothes moved with him effortlessly as he cosseted Kate around his shop, excitedly showing off his latest innovations. After a few more minutes of rapid-fire switching between Lantinois and Common, Kate and Henri returned to the register, where John was now leaning back against the counter in a relaxed and consciously friendly posture. "'John, this is Henri Bisset,' Kate said, gesturing at their host. "'Henri, my boyfriend, John.' Henri bowed with a flourish. "'Enchanté,' he said. John grinned at the man's choice of words. "'Thank you,' he said, bowing in turn. "'You're not bad yourself.' Henri spread his hands and tipped his head to one side, showing a self-deprecating smile. "'I do what I can with what the Creator gives me.' Kate tisked. "'Modesty doesn't suit you, Henri.' "'Putrepa,' Henri conceded. He reached out and took Kate's hand, kissed the back of it, then glanced aside at John. This one she always brightens my day. That makes two of us, John agreed. Kate held on to Henri's hand, stroking the back of it with her thumb. Henri, I need your help. She lowered her voice to a conspiratorial tone. But I need you to keep it a secret. Can you do that for me? Henri's face immediately took on a look of extreme gravity, but a fey light danced in his eyes. He raised his free hand to his heart and drew a cross over it. A secret between friends is no burden, ma chérie. Good, Kate said, because I need an outfit with some very special alterations. She paused, then drew him a half-step closer to her. Metamore-style alterations. Henri looked delighted and scandalized in equal measure. Catherine, you did not take the curse? No, no, Kate agreed now taking his hand in both of hers. But I have taken on some very special magic, just for a little while. Her smile turned impish. Do you want to see? Henri, Suspira bless him, actually blushed a little at that. Give me a moment, petite. I think the shop will open late today. He went behind the counter and pulled out a sign reading, Closed for private consultation. Please come again. He hurried over to the front door, hung the sign above the posted hours using a suction cup, then lowered the screens in front of the windows. Nazen, he said, as he came striding back with arms outstretched. Let us get to work, my lovelies. Allons-y. John leaned over to Kate's ear as they followed Henri to the back of the shop. He's laying it on a little thick, isn't he? Kate grinned and shrugged. It's a shtick, but people love it. Can we trust him? I wouldn't have brought us here if we couldn't. He does the outfits for every drag queen in Ellentown. Henri knows how to be discreet. John's eyebrows shot up as he made a connection to something that had been puzzling him. So that's why the mannequins are all so tall. Yep, Kate agreed. There aren't too many places to shop for women my height. Any time I wanted something nice, I had to come to Henri. They had arrived at the pedestals now. Kate set aside her purse, took off her shoes, and stepped up onto the nearest one without being asked. Henri stood before her on the floor, wringing his hands in nervous excitement. 
You ready for this? Kate asked, smiling playfully at him. Henri nodded, moving both hands in a get-on-with-it gesture. Please, Catherine, I am dying with anticipation. Kate's smile widened. Oh, but what's wrong with a little anticipation? She purred. Keeping her eyes fixed on Henri's, Kate slowly pulled off her knitted cap and shook out her hair, revealing her little succubus horns. John saw the man's eyes widen slightly. She grabbed the hem of her sweater, toyed with it for a moment, then stripped off sweater and undershirt together in one smooth motion. She let them dangle from one hand for a few seconds and dropped them in front of Henri, who caught them by reflex. Gods, you're getting off on this, John thought. He imagined Kate as an awkward, too tall teenager, standing self-consciously in front of this dashing, worldly older man from an exotic culture. How many sexual fantasies had the young Kate entertained about Henri? Now the tables are turned, and you're loving it. Kate's aura had opened again, and the core of Suspira's essence inside her sent out a quiet ripple of power. It passed through John's aura without resistance, and he instantly felt himself getting hard. He looked over at Henri. His aura accepted the essence as well, confirming that he was open to Suspira's ethos and influence. There was no trace of bravado in him now. He stared at Kate's body the way a man in the desert might stare at an oasis. Nothing else mattered but the thirst and the need to sate it. Kate spun halfway around and leaned over with her legs close together, presenting her ass to Henri's appreciative gaze. She slid down the band of her sweatpants and back, exposing her bare cheeks, and her tail whipped free of the pants, twirling in a dramatic spiral like a dancer's ribbon. She bent over a little farther and gave Henri an upside-down smile. The tip of the tail reached out and caressed the man's cheek, and he reached up and took it in his hand. The tail pulsed and flexed against his palm, lightly brushing its very tip over the inside of his wrist. Henri stared at it in wonder. Nom de Dieu, he whispered. Hey, Henri, what do you think of this? While he was distracted by the tail, Kate had let the sweatpants fall and stepped out of them. Now she turned back around, showing him her big, beautiful new cock. John's earlier suspicions were instantly confirmed. The organ was already more than half erect and growing visibly before their eyes. Henri looked up, and Kate's clothes fell limply from his hand. His jaw hung open, but no sound came out. Kate's eyes were half-lidded with desire, her lips parted in a carnivorous grin. She ran a hand slowly between her legs, showing Henri her wet and swollen labia, then stroked her moistened fingers up and down the length of her stiffening shaft. People always said you liked boys and girls, Henri, she purred. How'd you like to try a bit of both? Henri's tongue flicked unconsciously over his lips. Uh. He cleared his throat, then glanced questioningly over at John. Monsieur? John smiled indulgently up at Kate. We have a very open relationship, he told Henri. I'm happy to watch, or join in, or whatever you want. It's up to you. 
Kate leaned over, ran her fingers through his hair, and kissed him deeply. I love you, she said, her voice low and husky. Love you too, John said. In unison, they turned and looked at Henri. The man stood there, eyes wide and breathing hard, as if afraid that moving would somehow break this strange and wonderful spell. John could smell his arousal, and a bulge was starting to become evident in his perfectly tailored slacks. Kate stepped down from the pedestal, unfastened her bra, and dropped it on the floor. Her nipples were as stiff and erect as her cock. She sauntered over to Henri, her tail waving in sinuous curves behind her, and pressed her naked body against his clothed one. She lowered her lips to his in a slow, soulful kiss, and Henri returned it ardently, their arms wrapping tightly around one another. After a long moment, Kate broke the kiss and drew back a little, looking him in the eye. "'What do you say, Henri?' she asked, as her hands reached down to cup his slender ass. "'You want to have some fun before we get down to business?' Henri took a deep breath, let it out. "'Caramon, ma belle petite,' he whispered, and kissed her again. John sat down on the edge of the pedestal and watched as Kate made out with Henri, all the while carefully divesting him of his clothes. Their mouths and hands roamed all over each other, and with every touch their ardor grew. John took off his own pants and underwear and gently stroked his cock, savoring the sight of it. He let his aura open and extend toward both of them, soaking up the ambient, lustful energy that rose off of them. Kate was still radiating power, stoking Henri's arousal and lowering his inhibitions, not that he seemed to have many to lose. John wondered if Henri had entertained some fantasies of his own about Kate over the years. The last of Henri's clothes hit the floor. Kate backed up to the pedestal, drawing him with her, and sat down at the edge, spreading her legs wide. Henri knelt before her and took her cock in one trembling hand. His fingertips barely touched the tip of his thumb around her encircled girth. He pumped her once, twice, and she let out a sigh of pleasure. Then he opened his mouth wide and took her inside. John stroked himself harder as the handsome man's head bobbed on the cock of his lover. Kate moaned and gripped Henri's hair with both hands, thrusting her hips in time with his movements. Henri had definitely done this before, and he was good at it. John was amazed at how much he could take. He imagined Henri's mouth on his own cock, with Kate pegging the man from behind. The image almost made him climax then and there. Kate noticed. She looked over her shoulder at him, then smiled down at his throbbing erection. "'John, honey, would you ooh, have a look in my purse?' There's something in there that mm, I think we might need. John's penis was a little disappointed when he let go of it, but he quickly moved to obey. He grabbed the purse, opened it, and found a small bottle of personal lubricant and some condoms. He passed them over to Kate, who nodded her thanks. Then she pulled Henri's head off of her cock and guided him up for another fervent kiss. Henri? she said, panting, when they came up for air. 
I would like to use this on you. She held up the lube. Are you up for it? His eyes widened a little, but he nodded. Mon Dieu, yes, he gasped. Kate smiled and kissed him again. Get up here and get on your knees, she said, patting the pedestal. Henri obeyed. He spread his knees far apart and leaned forward, resting his weight on his forearms, his ass high in the air. Kate squeezed a large dollop of lube into her hand, warming it, then rubbed it generously around Henri's anus. She slipped on the condom, and then another dose of lube covered her cock. She stroked it a few times, coaxing it back to full hardness. John came up behind her and cupped her breasts in his hands, then kissed the side of her neck. Go slow, he cautioned. It's not a vagina. I know, Kate assured him. She turned her head and kissed him softly on the lips. Then she took Henri's buttocks in both hands, spread them as much as she could, and slowly, carefully pushed inside him. Henri sucked in a breath of air, then let it out in a long moan of Bismois. Kate paused, only about half her enormous length inside him. You good? she asked, her voice husky with her own pleasure. Henri nodded drunkenly. C'est bon, he gasped. C'est bon, c'est bon. Kate reached around his leg with one lube-slick hand and stroked his cock, slow, full motions, from the tip to the base and back again. How's that, Henri? she asked, her voice as soft as velvet. You like that? Henri whimpered and panted. Oui, ma chérie. Kate kept stroking as she pushed a few more centimeters inside him. She was panting now, too. Oh, gods, it's so good, she murmured. Kate and Henri began moving together, short, gentle thrusts in and out. John continued to plant kisses along her neck, shoulders, and back. He pinched her nipples, rolled them between his fingers, then reached down between her legs and stroked her labia. Kate immediately let out a groan. Oh, yes, she hissed. John, touch me there. Happily, John obeyed. He played along the folds of her lips, stroking back and forth, and periodically reached up to circle her shaft. He rubbed his own erection against her hips and buttocks, letting her feel how hard she was making him. Just then, John felt Henri's aura open completely. Instantly, the hunger inside Kate reached out and grabbed hold of his life force, drawing mana into her mystic center. Henri gave a loud cry, and his cock spurted in Kate's hand. Kate hit her own climax a second later, screaming her ecstasy in a voice that echoed off the walls. She pulled out of Henri, her cum filling the condom at a shocking rate, but the man's life energy continued to flow into her, feeding that inexhaustible hunger. John knew he didn't have long to act. Quickly, he spun Kate around and put his mouth on hers, simultaneously wrapping her in his aura. Her arms went immediately around his neck, and she thrust her tongue inside his mouth. The essence inside her let go of Henri and pulled on John instead, still trying to feed. But John pulled back, and the energy snapped taut between them. Kate broke the kiss, and her eyes went wide, her pupils grown large with her desire. 
John picked her up, laid her down on the pedestal next to Henri, and thrust inside her. Oh, fuck yes, Kate cried, as John pistoned in and out of her. She grabbed her own cock, ripped off the spent condom, and started stroking it in time with his movements. John was not gentle now. He grabbed Kate's legs, put them up on his own shoulders, and took her as deep and as hard as he could. Kate screamed out two more orgasms, each time showering herself in more cum, before at last John grunted out his own climax and shot his load inside her. Kate's head sank back onto the pedestal, her whole body going limp. She was drenched in sweat and semen, and she looked deliriously happy about it. Her head rolled over to one side, and she looked at Henri. The man was sprawled next to her on his side, his chest rising and falling in slow, even breaths. He was fast asleep. John went over and felt the man's neck. His pulse was strong and steady. He'll be all right, he said softly. You didn't take too much. Kate's expression sobered at that. She looked at Henri's face a moment longer, then slowly sat up. She regarded the cock between her legs thoughtfully. I would have taken too much, she said quietly, if you hadn't stopped me. John put a hand on her shoulder. Suspira's essence is all about need. It doesn't think, doesn't empathize. It just takes. I know, Kate murmured. She reached out a hand to caress Henri's body again, seemingly on reflex, then caught herself and drew it back. I hit him with that essence before I even knew what I was doing. Shit, John. Did I just roofie my tailor? No, John said, quickly and firmly. He was open to the essence. His aura accepted it. That means he was in the right frame of mind already. You probably lowered his inhibitions a little, but you didn't make him do anything he didn't want to do. It was still his choice. I guess, Kate said, unconvinced. But it freaks me out that this stuff just leaked out of me without my say-so. John took her chin between his fingers and lifted it, beckoning her to look at him. She did. You can control it. With practice, you can. Everyone has trouble at first. That's why we have the priesthood. So we can learn how to feed without hurting people. Kate lowered her eyes again, but she nodded slightly. I'm not sure if I like what this is doing to me. It feels almost too good. I'm worried. She looked over at the sleeping Henri again. Being by is one thing, but this? I used to have fantasies about Henri, but I never would have acted on them. John sat down beside her and put his arm around her. Do you think he enjoyed it? Kate snorted. <laughs> well, yeah. And did you enjoy it? She rolled her eyes. Obviously. He held her a little tighter and lightly kissed her cheek. Then just take it for what it was. It's not a bad thing to step outside your boundaries once in a while, to try something new and daring and outrageous. He smiled. Like you said on the way here. Screw prudence, I'm on vacation. Kate laughed at that. She leaned into him, put a hand on his leg, and squeezed it. 
I'm not sure you're the most unbiased source of advice. But thank you. And thanks for pulling me back. John kissed her. You're welcome. He looked past her to Henri. Well, it's going to be a while before he's awake again. Should we try to clean this place up? And that's the end of Chapter 10. Come back next time, when Kate gets some new clothes, and then finds several kinds of trouble at the homecoming parade. Letty Prell said, I must write now and quickly, before I begin to prefer the perfect version that lives in my head. So, let's see how well I've been doing at getting my stories out of my head. Here's your weekly writing report. This update covers the week of June 20th to June 26th. I wrote 4,649 words this week, over the course of 7.75 hours, for an average writing speed of 600 words per hour. As of Friday night, I've gone 70 days without breaking my chain. This week I wrote the second sex scene in Honor Bound. One thing that I'm very conscious of as I'm writing this book is the contrast between the power dynamic that Honor and Natasha have in their sexual encounters and the vast differences in class and station that lie between them in their everyday life. You can't write responsibly about DS relationships without tackling issues of power and consent, so for Honor and Natasha's second encounter, I wanted them both to be very clear about what they were walking into. As a result, this book has the clearest articulation of negotiations and boundaries that I've ever written between two characters. One thing that's helping me here is that Honor is new to sex and new to kink, so it makes sense that the character has to have things explained to her. We're at the point where Honor and Natasha's chance encounter is turning into something that they both want to continue. As I approached this beat in the story, I realized that I had a window of opportunity where the character's real-life power dynamic was on a more even footing. Natasha has lost her job as a house guard, and while Honor feels guilty about that, she's not in a position where she can really do anything about it. The damage has already been done. At the same time, Honor is in a fairly vulnerable position. She doesn't have any real friends in the city yet, and she isn't being taken seriously within her own noble house, so there's not much she can promise to anyone in terms of favors. She does offer Natasha a guest bedroom while she tries to find work, and while Natasha appreciates that as a gesture of goodwill, she doesn't owe Honor anything. She can walk out the door at any time. And that, I realized, was the perfect moment for their relationship to spark into something deeper. Neither one is in the position to compel anything from the other, so when they embark on a DS affair with each other, they're both able to give real, genuine consent. The story is just finished, chapter 13, and the manuscript is over 31,000 words. This week was exciting for another reason. My short story collection, Distant Realms, is now available on Audible. I have some promo codes available for the US and UK Audible stores, so if you live in one of those countries and you're willing to leave me a review, get in touch and I'll send you a free copy of the audiobook. I also have some codes available for The Lost and the Least, if you'd rather leave me a review for that. 
just send me a message at metamorcityfeedback at gmail.com and I'll get you a code. And thanks for helping to spread the word about my stories. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorcityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2019 and 2020 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvette Press. The show is released under Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.